There was a family that was involved in a very serious accident. And Mike, uh, the, the younger of the two brothers involved in the accident, was very badly injured and he was going to need a blood transfusion. Well, Mike's big brother, Danny, who was almost eight, just happened to be the perfect blood type. So his father sat down and talked with Danny and explained the situation to Danny and told him that his little brother was going to die. But if Danny would give him some of his blood, that Mike would be just fine. So Danny sat and thought about it just for a moment and said, okay, Dad, I'll do this for my brother. So they took Danny into the operating room and they hooked the needle up to his arm and um, the blood began flowing from his body to his little brother. And everything went wonderfully. Everything went just fine until the nurse removed the needle from little Danny's arm. And he looked up with a tear in his eye at his father and he said, when do I die? And his father suddenly realized with a shock that little Danny had misunderstood his explanation. He thought that he was giving all of his blood to save the life of his little brother. He thought that he was going to die at the end of this blood transfusion. And yet he had still was willing to do this for his brother. What love! What, what sacrifice, what, what, what gift of life. Have you experienced that kind of love? Have you comprehended what Jesus was willing to do for us? Do you understand what blessings are yours and mine because Jesus gave all of his blood for us? Because Jesus was willing to take the road to the cross for us. Because Jesus gave himself for you. Our text is from Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start at verses 17, 17 to 19. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. So it's time to celebrate the Passover, this annual celebration that reminded the people of how God delivered them from Egypt on the night that they sacrificed the lamb and then painted its blood on the door frames of their houses. And Jesus had planned, obviously, to celebrate this Passover with his disciples for the last time at a certain man's house. I think, think, think it's kind of interesting with the kind of the... Uh, the secretive instructions that Jesus gives uh, where we hear later just a couple of his disciples in another gospel tells us a couple of the disciples. Um, 
notice that Jesus took some care and some caution in not mentioning the man's name, the house that it would be at. And the secrecy of Jesus was intended to prevent his enemies, especially Judas, from arresting him before it was time, before he had a chance to share this meal. And so the disciples went to prepare the Passover. Now, the Passover lambs were to be slaughtered on the 14th of Nisan and then eaten at twilight that evening, which would then technically be the 15th of Nisan. And that would, be, that would begin a week-long feast of unleavened bread. Now, unlike the very first Passover, they no longer painted the blood of the lambs on the door frames of their house. But now, uh, the blood was taken by a priest up and poured out on the altar at the temple. So, here's what would happen. A group of Israelites would gather at the temple and a group of them would be let and received into the temple court and then the gates would be shut and then the trumpets were sounded and then all the householders there slew their lambs that they had purchased. And then the priests would form this row leading all the way up to the altar and they would collect then the blood of those slain lambs in these silver basins and they would pass them on from one to another all the way up to the altar and then the ones nearest the altar would then pour that blood out at the basin of the altar. The householder then would lift that slain lamb up onto a hook on a pillar and take the skin off or the hide off and then they would remove the fat and the, the priest would burn the fat on the altar. Then the householders would say a prayer and they would carry that lamb home, bound up in its own hide, bound up in its own skin. And, the, and the, the head of the house, where the feast then would be celebrated, would receive the skin. So when one group then was done, they would leave the temple court, the next group would come in, and so on and so forth throughout the day. So this is what happened in Jerusalem to make preparations for the Passover. So the disciples went and made these preparations for the Passover. They would have purchased a lamb. They would have joined uh, that crowd at the temple and had their lamb slaughtered. But while the disciples watched the blood draining out of their lamb, they would have been given a preview of what was going to happen to Jesus the next day. Verses 20 to 25 when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. 
So as Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, he shocks them. One of you will betray me. This was a bolt out of the blue to everyone except Judas. And no doubt it must have startled Judas to know that that Jesus knew all about his horrible plan. So this was another opportunity for Judas to come to repentance and to change that horrible plan. Jesus included them all. He did it this way. He included them all. One of you will betray me. To give Judas an opportunity to repent. See, if you, you know what happens. If, if you call out your friend right in front of a group of people, they're more likely to get angry and defensive, right? Instead of repent. So Jesus was giving all of them a chance to search their hearts. Jesus was giving Judas every chance he could to repent. He wanted to save even Judas. And by doing it this way, One of you will betray me. Jesus was also inviting the rest of the disciples to examine their own hearts. And it it worked, didn't it? Because every one of them began feeling sad. And they began asking a question that becomes very natural to you and me. Surely not I, Lord. In other words, it isn't I, is it? So even though not one of those 11 other disciples had any intention of betraying Jesus, they could not deny that such a thing might happen in their lives. They they could not deny that was a possibility. Friends, can we not admit that such a thing might happen in our lives? If Jesus were to say these words, would we not have to admit that, yeah, we would be capable of doing such a thing, that such a thing could happen with us? Can we see that we are capable of betraying Jesus? And haven't we? When any Christian hears these words from Jesus Christ, one of you will betray me, We are called upon to search our own hearts and and realize that the the potential for that treachery is definitely living here, is alive here. And and has no doubt been something that we've done and and been a a path that we've been on and moments of weakness that we've given into. We are all capable of betraying Jesus, are we not? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Friends, this is why it's important to examine ourselves before coming to communion. In communion, we receive the assurance that our sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. But before we receive that, that comforting assurance... We need to see, first of all, the sinfulness that lives in our lives, that fills our hearts, so that we see that the forgiveness that Jesus gives us, so we can see how important it is and how precious that is to us. And so we encourage all the communicants, cross of life, to examine themselves before coming to communion. Do you believe that you are sinful? That you have not been perfect the way that God wants you to be? 
Do you believe that Jesus has taken away your sins with his life, death, and resurrection? And do you believe that his body and blood are truly present in his supper to give you the forgiveness of sins that he won for you at the cross? We need to examine our own hearts. Okay, not only before communion, but every day. Right? Am I living my life in a way that honors and thanks God? It, are, are, the, are, the, are the, the actions that I do, are the things that I'm doing, giving good picture to all those who see them of, of who God is and, and what kind of a God He is and, and what kind of a loving God he is and, and it wants to be for the world and wants to see. Are, are my words honoring God? Are my words showing thankfulness and trust in God and communicating God's love to others? Are my thoughts honoring God? Are my thoughts giving an offering of thanks to God for the amazing love that he has shown me? We need to examine our hearts. We need to examine our lives because you know what that's going to lead us to? It's going to lead us to see how desperately we need Jesus. Because the only thing that an examination of our hearts and lives will ever lead us to is, is how much we failed the perfection of God that he's demanded in our lives and that he's created us to be. And how desperately we need the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. How desperately we need the love of God in Jesus and that's why we need to examine our hearts and our lives daily, and especially before communion. So Jesus then told them that the one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with him would betray him. So someone who had eaten bread with Jesus had violated the rights of hospitality by betraying him. Eating bread with someone compelled friendship we don't really have a sense of the table fellowship that was part of this culture. So we might not, you know, fully understand what it meant in Jesus' day to eat a meal with someone. When you, when you shared a meal with someone, when you ate in someone's house in that intimate setting, the invitation to, to share that meal with them was not a casual thing. It's a very important thing, very close thing. It said something about your relationship with each other. And this is, this is why Jesus was always criticized for eating with tax collectors and, and prostitutes. In, in Arab culture today, it, it is still taken for granted that to, to eat a meal with someone in the same home amounts to saying, you are my friend and I will never hurt you. And that is what made Judas's deed even all the more worse. He, he had eaten bread with Jesus. Jesus says something very important here. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. Remember little Danny? Willing to give his blood, all of it, for his brother. Friends, Jesus was willing to go. Jesus was willing to give all of his blood for his brothers and sisters. He, 
And he did that knowing, truly knowing, full well, everything that was going to happen. He wasn't misunderstanding. He didn't, wasn't misunderstanding some of his father's instructions. He knew all. He knew exactly what Judas was planning on doing. He could have easily have avoided what Judas was attempting, what Judas was planning. But friends, he was willing to go through this for you and me. He was willing to take that road to the cross for us. And it had been written. It had been written in the scriptures that he had to do this and that he would do this. The whole Old Testament was about this moment right here. But Judas wasn't some helpless pawn doomed to play this role. Because Jesus was willing, Jesus was willing to go to the cross, but that doesn't excuse Judas for doing what he did. So one more time, one more time, Jesus announces, even more, more painfully obvious, Jesus announces Judas's terrible doom. One more very serious attempt to give Judas the chance to repent, to bring Judas to repentance, but Judas went ahead with it. Judas didn't come to repentance. He looks at Jesus and he says, surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus says what what amounts to in the Greek, Jesus basically says, you've said it yourself. You yourself have said it. In other words, Judas, this is your doing, not mine. This is your fault, not God's. Friends, God, God loves the world and wants all to be saved. As people, we can reject him. God wants all to be saved, to come to a knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. People can reject him. God didn't stop Judas from destroying himself. Judas did that all by himself. Our loving God, our loving God, he, all he wants to do is save us and forgive us. And Jesus shows that by what he does next. Verses 26 to 30. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they were celebrating the Passover, which for years had reminded them of how God had delivered them by the blood of a lamb. And now Jesus gives us a new feast to celebrate, which connects us to a new covenant that, that strengthens us and, and connects us and connects us and reminds us of the wonderful truth that God has delivered us by the blood of the lamb once and for all. And so Jesus hands them bread and he says, take and eat. This is my body. This bread is my body. And then with the wine, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, which has been poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. So they were eating bread 
but they were also receiving the true body of Christ. They were drinking wine, but they were also receiving the true blood of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. That bread and that wine didn't just symbolize the body and blood. They are the body and blood. And the word is really can only mean is. You can't make it mean anything else. There's no other way you can twist that scripture around to say that it symbolizes or changes into this is my body. This is my blood. And if we don't recognize that they are, that as scripture says in 1 Corinthians, we are not prepared to receive Holy Communion. Symbols, symbolic things, uh, cause us to, to ponder. Symbols uh, are meant to be contemplated and understood, not eaten and drunk. You, you, can, you can symbolically enter huge sums of money into your bank account. Those symbolic actions aren't going to make you one bit richer, are they? In the Lord's Supper, we receive something real. We receive Jesus' true body and blood. Jesus is giving us himself for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, his sacrifice has been completed for us once and for all, but we can come to his table repeatedly for the assurance that in him, in his body and blood, we receive the forgiveness that he won for us on the cross. Before Jesus was born, an angel came to Joseph and told Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he would save the people from their sins. But the angel didn't describe and explain exactly how Jesus would do that. Jesus now explains how. He explains that his blood would be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. His blood would be poured out to pay for our sins, for your sins and mine. And that, that is why Jesus took the road to the cross. All those Old Testament sacrifices pointed to this. And so now we can go back to the Old Testament and we can read it with a whole new understanding, a whole new depth of insight. Listen to why this is so awesome. Not only does the Lord's Supper make the connection between the shedding of blood and the forgiveness of sins, the Lord's Supper also makes the connection between Savior and sinner. Okay? So the salvation that Jesus purchased with his blood is given to the individual sinner in the Lord's Supper. Luke, in his gospel, makes that very clear when he says Jesus said the words, for you. So, you, you can sit here, right, hearing the words of God. You can sit here hearing God's promises of, of your forgiveness and, and hope and all that through Jesus. And you can evade him, right? We're sitting here in a group. You can be hearing God's words and you can be thinking, well, you can be doubting. Well, I can see how God can forgive others. But I cannot believe how he could possibly forgive me. Right? We're speaking to a group. The whole group is hearing this message. And you can kind of look around and say, yeah, I can see how that applies to those people over there and those people on, on that other side. 
um, and the one sitting next to me, but that, you know, I, I, I have a hard time believing that God could forgive me. Right? We can do that when we hear the spoken word. We can choose to doubt. We can evade what God is saying to us. But in the Lord's Supper, Jesus gives you to eat and to drink of his true body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. He gives you to eat and to drink of the very purchase price of your redemption. And you cannot evade him now, can you? You cannot avoid that. You can't pass that off that it is for you because it's being put into your hand, it's being put in your mouth. He says to you personally and individually, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. And then you take it and eat it. No one else. You do. Take and drink. This is my blood, which is given for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You see the beauty of the Lord's Supper? You, you can't think he's talking about anyone else when you are receiving his body and blood and you are receiving the assurance that your sins have been forgiven through that. Friends, out of the greatest love of all, Jesus is giving us himself. He's giving us a spiritual hug. I, I, this is the way I describe it in our, in our classes together. You know, God is a spirit. And being spirit, he doesn't have you know, arms and legs and stuff that he, that he can give us a hug. But in a sense, here's a way where he's giving us something we can touch, feel, taste. Because he wants each one of you personally to know you are forgiven. I did this for you. Same way that a, that a parent might give a, a child a hug just to, just to assure that child everything's going to be all right in a way that's even stronger than just with words. This is God's way of giving us a hug. This is God's way of taking that gift that he's given us and not just saying, hey, it's over there on the t- table for you or, or, you know, it's in, but putting it in our hands. And making sure that we have it. Making sure that you know, yeah, you've messed up. Yeah, you've gone astray. Yeah, you've done this and this and this. Yeah, you don't deserve my love in any way, shape, or form. But I love you anyway. So take it. Eat it. Digest that. I'm not talking to anyone else. I'm talking to you. I want you to know that. And that is the beauty of the Lord's Supper. That is the beauty of the gift that Jesus was giving us on this night. And that is how we can be strengthened through it. It's no coincidence that Jesus instituted the sacrament uh, while he was eating the, the Passover meal with his disciples. The Passover had, had always looked back to, back to what um, God had done for the children of Israel by delivering them. But it also pointed them ahead to the sacrifice that the Lamb of God was going to make one day for them once and for all. And so now the Lord's Supper, same way, it also points us to the past and it points us to the future. It points us back to the road to the cross that Jesus took for every one of us to pay for our sins. But now it also points us to the future. It points us to the day that we will celebrate it with Jesus in his Father's kingdom in heaven. And so... The Lord's Supper gives us a a little foretaste of the heavenly banquet that is to come already while we are still here on earth. A a Portuguese man named uh, Luis da Camara 
had no family, no relatives, no family of his own. And so he picked the names of his heirs by random out of a Lisbon phone book. And so when he died at age 42, Luis's last act on earth was bestowing $12,000 each to 70 astonished people who had never heard of him before. What are the chances that, that some rich person has chosen your name out of, by random, out of a phone book, and is planning on bequeathing you thousands of dollars? It's probably not very good. But you have been named as a beneficiary of a will far more valuable than Luis de Camaro's. And the terms and benefits of that will are found in the sacrament of Holy Communion, your heavenly brother's last will and testament. Of the 70 people who made it into uh, Luis's will, I wonder how many of them thought it was a joke. I wonder if, I wonder if any of them re stubbornly refused to the, the summons to the lawyer's office to hear the terms of the will. And, and, and if so, possibly lost out on their inheritance. I suppose it's, I suppose it's possible that, that we could also view the summons to the Lord's table as a joke. A little bite of bread, a little sip of wine. Doesn't seem like much. But neither does the piece of paper on which a million dollar check is written. Neither does the key to a dream home. But friends, the fact is, along with that little bite of bread and sip of wine, you are also receiving the true body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And that makes this little meal a foretaste of the heavenly banquet to come. That makes this little meal a key to our heavenly banquet. So when it's time, in a few moments, for our communicants who have been properly prepared and trained and, and prepared for this to come forward and enjoy some of the inheritance that Jesus left us. Don't come with a groan because the service is getting a little bit long. Run to the banquet and devour God's grace. Jesus, who loves you, is giving us himself. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.